Well, good morning to you, church. How are you doing so far this morning? Wasn't that cute? Watch them. Yeah, I asked them earlier this morning if I could sing with them, but they, they said no. They turned me down. So it's now the praise team and the kids team. I get nothing. I get nothing. It's just me in the shower still. Me in the shower. Hey, we're going uh, we're gonna to continue this time of Advent, and it's our third week, and we're talking about uh, these words that pop up during the Christmas season, and we've talked about uh, what hope is, our hope in Christ, and we talked about this peace and this peace that passes all understanding, and this week we're going to talk about this word, uh, this word called love. And so if you have sermon notes, uh, then pull those out now, but if you got in here and you didn't get any sermon notes, just slip up your hand and Pastor Anson will, will bring them to you now, and you can follow along this morning. And it's interesting, these words, hope, peace, love, and when we get to love, we often think of, of these words and their association with, with Christmas, and we get a little excited about those words, or we actually share about those words. And I think we get to this thing, love, and sometimes we think this, uh, honestly, if we're, if we're honest in the church world, we kind of think... Well, this term love has kind of been hijacked um, to mean some just like general love for people and leave God and Jesus completely out of it. And I wonder if we shy away sometimes in, in really talking about and digging into what, what love is in God's word and what it teaches us to do as well. But this time of year, especially this Advent season, it's the perfect time to really camp out and just look at this to be direct with this, to see what God's Word teaches us on this. But here's the thing. Though at Christmas time we look at it, this is not limited to this time of year. In fact, this is the defining characteristic of the Christian life, is this word love. Don't believe me? Take a look at the New Testament. Just read through it and see how many times this word love shows up and what it asks us to do as well. So let's just jump into it, and, and we'll talk it through this morning. First thing I want you to know is the story of Christmas is the beginning of the story of God's redemptive love. Like, this is the beginning. When God wanted to redeem us and draw us back to himself, when he wanted to give us away to have what we call salvation, but really to understand that, that we would have right relationship with him, that we would be connected with him, we have to understand that the giving of his son at Christmas time, when his son came in the world, that is the beginning. That is the kickstart for this redemptive story. And so it's why we celebrate it so much when we get to Christmas time. There's a verse you might know it. In fact, we often call it the most famous verse in the Bible. It's found in John chapter 3, verse 16. It says this For this is how God, what? Loved the world. Listen, you understand when it says love the world, it means like everyone, everything. Like this is how much God loved, and here's what he did. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Everyone who would believe in him in the sense that he'd say like that's worth following, like that's worth giving my life to, wouldn't perish but have eternal life. Like sometimes if we're not careful, we think of that eternal life like this. We think that's heaven. One day I'm going to die. I'm going to go to heaven. That's eternal life. You know, like say a prayer at high school camp, figure out and live out and endure this life. And then one day I'll get to go and I'll be with God in glory forever. Well, that last part is true, no doubt. But they would have understood when Jesus said this, that eternal life began the moment they decided to follow God. 
Like there was something new, there was something different, there was a life that Christ gave immediately from the day of saying yes, from the day I'd said, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's why we look at this verse and say, this is the most powerful verse as it sums up God's redemptive plan. So my, my son James, they're actually in the car. James and Thomas are, are driving home from college right now. And uh, he was five and a half months old, and we were in Wilmore, Kentucky, a little town of 4,500. So they had this you know, beautiful little Norman Rockwell kind of Christmas celebration on the little Main Street, music and snacks and that kind of thing. And so I was working with the junior high program at one of the local churches, and they decided to have a nativity, and the teenagers got out there and acted out in the nativity, much like you just saw right here. But they asked if James could be the baby, you know, uh, with little, hold little baby Jesus. And I said, you know, of course, I mean, if he plays that now at five and a half, there's no bigger role to play the rest of your life. So, you know, he's made it. But when we were walking, we saw this little scene, right? And here's five and a half month old James being held by a teenage girl, right? Junior higher. And like, that's when it really hits you. Like, this was God's plan. This was God's story, that God entrusted his one and only son, not only to earth, and earth was chaotic enough, right? But he entrusted his one and only son to earth to this teenage girl, a very faithful teenage girl. We talked about that last week. And that's what it like hits me. I'm sitting there thinking, listen, if, if your salvation, if the world was dependent on me giving up my only son, you know, you're out of luck. I mean, right? I mean, like, I just don't, I mean, I, I know most of all of you, right? And I love you. I don't know if I love you like that. I don't know if you love me like that. But thank God for you and I, he did. That God loved us that way. That's the picture we get. So uh, because of that type of love, that type of love doesn't just come down and where we say, like, oh, great, you know, that love's here. But it doesn't do anything, right? Like, you have a favorite sports team. You have a favorite movie. You have a favorite celebrity. You know, you love tacos, you know, right? That love doesn't really do a whole lot for you right? I mean, maybe it gets you tacos every Tuesday. I don't know. But, but like that love doesn't do a whole lot for you. But God's love did everything for us. And so like if we interact with God in that, if we become Christians and put our faith in Christ, like we start to understand that love, guess what? It actually requires something of us as well. It transforms us. It turns us into something new. And then it asks something of us as well. In 1 John, uh, John wrote this, this uh, a gospel. We just read that. But he also writes these three little letters, right? They're called epistles, and they're titled 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. You could go read them this afternoon, and then you could go, I read three books today, right? You know, three books of the Bible. Read three in one afternoon. Killed it, right? But in 1st John, this first letter, he writes this, Dear friends, <clears throat> let us continue to love one another, for love comes where? From God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I was talking to a couple of gentlemen uh, before first service this morning, and we were talking about men's ministry, and I said, you know, hey, one of the, one of the hard things in men's ministry is like, men, we're just like, we're hard-headed, right? And like, you just have to pound it into us. Look, listen, women, I was talking to the men. You don't have to nod your head, Jess, right? All right. So... I mean, you just have to pound it into us as men at times, right? You know? But here's the thing I love about men's ministry. 
we just talk blunt with each other, right? I mean, you just say it bluntly. I don't really need to beat around the bushes. I don't often have to think about your feelings. Just say it bluntly, right? And like I'm reading John, and I'm like, John is just saying something really bluntly. He's saying, look, if we got to keep loving people. If you would know God and you know who God is, then you love. Like if you don't love your brother, if you don't love others, you don't really know who God is. And then this very interesting phrase at the end. This is the first time we see in God's word that these words show up in this combination. John concludes. Now, listen, he's a follower of Jesus, right? John concludes, God is love. Like, John's not just saying, look, God does a lot of loving things, you know, a lot of loving characteristics. He concludes, God is love. Like, he's the definition of love. And so I don't know if you would see it this way, but that would cause me to automatically say, well, if I want to know what love is, like if I really want to put that kind of love into play and experience that, I got to know God. I need to know God. In fact, there's many people, you might be on this search yourself, who search many years, much of their life, saying, I'm looking for God. They might just say, I'm looking for the spiritual, but I'm looking for God. And here, John is actually defining who God is. So I want to just take a moment uh, in the next few moments, actually, to, to ask this question, really, uh, what is this love? Let's just talk about this love uh, for a little bit here. Follow along in your sermon notes. The first thing about this love is this. Jesus is how we know God's love. Like, the, the Bible, the, the New Testament couldn't be more clear that Jesus is the example, the avenue. Jesus is how we know God's love. Like, if you want to know God, you've got to know Jesus. In fact, every once in a while, we'll start, we'll, we'll hear like somewhere, you know, maybe in a TV show or in a presentation or something like that, you'll hear somebody kind of talking and they're, they're talking very spiritual and they're using God language, but Jesus never shows up or Jesus is never talked about. I'm telling you, that's not how the New Testament describes it. The New Testament describes if we want to know God, we have to know Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself speaks this way many times. One of the passages you find in, in John, it's actually chapter 14, and your note says it says 8, but chapter 14 says this, Jesus told them, Jesus is speaking, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you'd really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Why? Because you know me is what Jesus is saying. I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the light. Jesus said, look, it's in, it's in me that you know God. That's a pretty direct, powerful thing Jesus is saying. In fact, probably not very politically correct in our day to say it that way. But Jesus is declaring to know God, you've got to know Jesus. So when we talk about putting our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ, we use terms like salvation, that we would surrender ourselves to God and we would declare Jesus died on the cross for me, right? And that I want to put my faith, I want to say that person is worth following and, and being a disciple of. In that, we learn who God is. And if John is accurate, God is love, guess what? We learn about this thing of love. We learn what love is really about, in fact, say it this way, our salvation is the avenue to knowing God's love. 
like giving your life to Christ, like saying, I want to I be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to accept him as my Lord. Lord, that's a big term, right? When you consider somebody your Lord. I want to get to know him, as we often say, in a personal way. Do you know what we think of sometimes when we say personal? Listen, Christians, let's just be honest. Sometimes we think personal. We go like, I said a prayer back in high school at this camp. It was awesome. It was a good night, right? I've not done much of anything with it, uh, right? I, I don't really interact with God much at all. I come to church, um, and I will say I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, that's not what the, we're talking about. That's certainly not what the Bible talks about when it says being a follower of Jesus Christ, having this personal relationship and learning who God is, this daily interaction with Jesus, this daily getting to know who Jesus is. Listen, for some of you, like, that's at different places. Like, for some of you, like, it's brand new, just the concept of, like, having a Bible, right? You're like, I couldn't tell you three books in that Bible, right? No problem. You still can just open it up. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the four that really talk directly about Jesus, and just start reading and just start asking the question, who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? I've told you we've been having this Bible study at my gym on Thursday nights, and we read a chapter and we ask two questions. The one question is this, what does this tell me about Jesus? And then the second question is, if this were to be true, what does this ask of me? Those are the two questions. And you can ask yourself those questions to learn more about who Jesus is. Jesus is how we know God's love. Here's the second thing we, we learn about this love is our ability to love is actually enabled through God's word. Like, I actually learn how to love and put real love into play through God's love. And listen, I don't just mean you learn something about God's love. You know, like, man, God is very compassionate, so I should be compassionate too. You should, right? But like, we would actually believe that when you get to know Jesus Christ, that there's actually something that your effort and then God's like supernatural, the Holy Spirit in your life, they come together and create something that just can't be on its own. That's how this works, that God actually enables you to love in a way. You look across like, you know, I don't know, you look across a cubicle at your office and you're like, I don't love that person, I don't like that person, and I stop just short of saying I hate that person, right? Because um, you know that's not nice to say, you know? But that, like, we'd actually believe like there's something God can do when we get to know Jesus Christ and when we learn about him where God can actually enable us and empower us to someday look across that room and say, you know, I'm not crazy about everything that person does. But I can't, under I can't explain it. There's just something in me for that person. I feel compelled to have compassion and love and care for that person. That's what... That's what this relationship with Christ does. It will actually enable us to love the way God loves. And that's powerful. Jesus was speaking in the book of John in chapter 13, and he says this, now, So now I give you a new commandment, a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, this is really interesting. First of all, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Like, we haven't heard up till now that we should love other people, right? I mean, what about the love the Lord your God, then love your neighbor as yourself? That was already said, right? What's Jesus getting at here? 
It's really found in the last section of that, uh, those verses I read. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Like, that's powerful. He's saying, look, you want people to know, you want to prove to people that you're really followers of Jesus Christ? You know, get to church four times a week, and they'll know. You know, he doesn't say that. You know I think you should be in church, right? We talk about this, the value of that. Like, he doesn't even say, you know, have the books memorized in the Bible. You know, I think it's a good thing to memorize books. Certainly good to memorize scripture and have that on your head uh, all the time to be able to focus on that. But he actually draws to this, loving one another will be the proof. That'll be your proof to the world that you're my disciples. That's pretty powerful, Hey, Jesus is saying this. Look, I, what we do sometimes is, is uh, we get very vertical. Like in most of the songs we sing are very vertical in the sense of it's me and God. You know, we talk this way. You know, I love you. I praise you. I lift you up and those type of things. Nothing wrong with that at all, right? But we forget that when we read the New Testament and we read what God continually through Christ asks us to do, when we look at the people like Paul and Peter and John and what they understood, and they're the ones actually writing down the rest of the New Testament, and what they write down, we actually find there is so much that's horizontal. There's so much that he says, look, you're going to be impacted. Your life is going to be transformed. And guess what? Get out there and love other people. Like, get out there and serve other people and interact with other people. Get out there, and as Jesus' words here, Prove to one another you're my disciple by how you treat them and how you care for them. In a real way, you could say, look, if you get so caught up in this and refuse this, you're not really carrying out this in the first place. That's what God's word is saying. That's what Jesus is talking about here. We joke every once in a while. Somebody might say something like, you know, like, man, I love God, but gosh, I just don't like people, right? And we kind of giggle and laugh. And, like, and, and nobody, like, nobody is dumb enough to say that like, as fact, right? We always put it in joking terms. But I wonder how many of us go away and we think, well, it's kind of true about me. I mean, I'd much rather just be with Jesus than people. They drive me bonkers, you know, that type of thing. Like we actually believe that God's love will enable and empower you to love others. That's powerful. And I think the world starts to look at Christians in the church differently if we live out a passage like this. So the third thing, question, what do we do with this ability to love? Like, well, like what do we do with this? Like, we, we surrender our life to Christ. He transforms us, right? We get to know Jesus every day. Look, you've been in the church 40 years, right? And you're not diving in to a daily devotional walk of getting to know Jesus. Um, that's a problem, right? Because we're learning about Jesus all the time. But when we're learning about Jesus, right, and, and God is empowering us and he's enabling us for this kind of horizontal to love others, like what do we do with this ability? <clears throat> I want to encourage you to ask this one question. It's been on my heart for over a year now. This question is this, what does love require of me? That's the question. Like, what does it really require of me? If I'm going to love, if I'm going to love like this, if I'm going to put God's love into practice in my life, what does love require? With my spouse, what does love require? With my coworker, with my neighbor, whom I often can't stand, right? All right? Maybe you say that. So, I love my neighbor, right? What does love 
require of me? What does it require? Here's what I think. When you get to know Jesus and Jesus starts to empower and enable you, you start to look at what love requires of you totally different than you have looked before. Because like a knee jerk in our word was, what does love require? Like, well, I mean, I will love them based on how much they love me. I will interact with them based on how much they interact with me. How well it's going from them to me is probably going to dictate how well it's going to go from me to them. Or maybe it'll go good from me to them for a while, but if they don't reciprocate eventually, well, I'm shutting that off, right? But when we get to know God's love, the God is love that John teaches us, it challenges us in a whole new way completely different way. We start to look at people and we go like, I don't know if I really like them. And you know what God whispers to us? Love them through it. Just love them through it. And we start to love them through it. And it's not like all those things just, you know, go away, right? But you start to view them and your relationship with them totally different. And guess what it does? It opens up these avenues to share who Jesus is in their life. And isn't that what they probably really need to know in the first place? Here's where the answer, what does love require of me? This is what is found. The answer is actually found in the one another's. The one another's of the New Testament, if you read through and you just circle every time there's something like a one another in there, we get submit to one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, restore one another, accept one another, care for one another, bear with one another, carry one another's burdens, and 27 other one another's in the New Testament. That's, that's how we live that out. That's how we ask that question or answer the question, what does love require of me? Listen, Paul was, a, a, you remember him, he was a persecutor of Christians, right? And then we had this day, he's on his journey with papers in hand to, you know, convict some more Christians, and Jesus meets him and speaks to him, transforms his life completely, And the zeal that he had for arresting Christians became his zeal for making disciples. And so as he learns more about Jesus himself, he's built into, he's discipled. Here's something he writes in Galatians chapter 5. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, that's what we're asking you. That's the first point this morning, putting your faith in Christ. There is no benefit to being circumcised or uncircumcised. Hey, remember, uh, one of the marks of God's chosen people all throughout the Old Testament in his old covenant was the men would be circumcised, right? That was a big, big deal to show that you are a follower of God. He's saying there's no benefit in that anymore. What is important is faith in Christ exercising itself in love. Like Paul is boiling it down to saying, look, the most important thing you could do is have faith in Christ, be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and let that faith express itself in love everywhere you go. That's important. That's powerful right there. And it's transformational. So here's what I want to do on the takeaway. Let me start with a question on your takeaway. It's this. Are you known as a loving person? Listen, you don't have to answer it out loud. It's okay. But, like, would you say you're known as a loving person? Like, if you're not totally sure, maybe ask your spouse, you know? you probably get an answer clear enough, right? Are you a loving person? Like, would you say, yeah, people kind of define me as someone who's very loving. 
Listen, men, okay, I'm not talking about you use a bunch of flowery language all the time. I know I'd lose you right away. That's not what we're talking about. But you one that really, you're constantly expressing love for other people and what you do and what you say and how you serve, all that kind of stuff. Would you say that is you? Listen, let me be blunt with you. If it's not, as a Christian, that's a problem. That's a problem. Now, it's a problem that Christ can overcome in your life. Christ can transform you into something that you never imagined you would be. You today could be the most unloving, grumpy, whatever person. And Christ can transform your heart to be full of love. But if, if what God's word is, says in the New Testament is true, we are called through our faith in Jesus Christ to be transformed into people that prove our faith through our love. So two statements here. These will probably come off as duh statements. You'll be like, we got that far in the sermon just to hear that, right? But they're no less significant. Number one, get to know Jesus. Listen, get to know him. If you're brand new to this whole thing, somebody dragged you to here today, or you only came because, you know, somebody in your family was going to be on stage and sing, you know, and church is not normally your life, still, get to know Jesus. If you're like, look, I'm not ready to come back to church, okay, Open your Bible and get to know Jesus. Just read about him and get to know him. We think this is a great environment to get to know him. But open up your Bible and get started. But listen, I'm telling you, if you've been in church 20, 30, 40 years, you're in the danger zone because you're the one that often has kind of clicked off this. You've learned it, you've been there, and you're no longer learning about Jesus each day of your life. And I want to say to you just the same, Get to know Jesus. Get to know him. If you haven't read through the Gospels in a long time, just start. Just open up Matthew and just start reading all the way through the Gospels and learn about Jesus again. And quite simply, the second phrase is this. Do what Jesus did. Just put into place what do you read Jesus did. Like, like not what did the pastor say Jesus did on Sunday morning or what did maybe the show or what did, you know, your, your sermon online or your verse of the day. Like you open up and you read about Jesus. You learn about him and you say, what did he do? Wow, I got to go do that as well. And if you're like, I don't know about that, just trust God and step out in faith and do it and see if he doesn't meet it with his supernatural, his Holy Spirit that will enable you in a way that'll be different than you could do on your own. Let me pray for you. Will you bow with me? Father, so this morning, I would guess that there's somebody here that even when we started to say the word love, they probably clicked off. Lord, there's others that might have clicked off for different reasons. Maybe they're like, I've heard this, I got this, I got this down. But Father, this morning, I think this is a challenge to all of us. Lord, I certainly, for my own heart, would confess that I was convicted and challenged this week just studying this and looking at this, walking through a list of one another's and being challenged. So, Father, I pray that for every heart in here, Lord, that each of us would look at this and our hearts would be convicted in a way that you want to convict, not anyone else, and then we would do something with it. Father, I pray maybe for the person who's never put their faith in Jesus Christ, that this would be a morning that they could say, Lord, come into my life, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me for rejecting you up till now. 
Be the Lord of my life. I want to be a follower of you from this day on. You can pray something just as simple as what I just said. You just say it in your heart and believe it. And in an instant, you're a follower of Jesus. This would be a great day to say that kind of prayer. Father, still, there's others that have been around this church world for a long time. And Lord, this is still a message they need to hear. This is still something that they need to allow to penetrate their heart. And they still need to allow you to transform who they are because they've got a little cold to your love. Father, would this be the morning with their heart reopen up to receive and hear this? So now, Lord, I want to ask, would you send us out here with some specific thing in our head that we could say, I know, Lord, I know exactly where you're directing me to love to start. I need to go do it. I may not even want to, but I need to go do it. And would you follow the Lord's voice? We'll pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, so this morning... uh, I would encourage you, if there's something in this area, um, sometimes we get held up in this thing of how to love because we have a real conflict in the relationship, whether it's in a marriage right now, we're having a very hard time knowing what love requires of me, um, or a family member or a coworker, something's just have gotten a little volatile. I would love to be able to pray for you and maybe even talk with you about some of those situations. So if you would use this card on the back side, you can put your name and stuff on the front on the back side. Just share with me whatever prayer requests. Um, but if you'd like to actually get together this week, um, I'd love. Got some wide open.